Kicking and Streaming Podcast is brought to you by Cafe 1804. Premium Haitian coffee now available online at cafe1804.com. That's cafe, K-A-F-E, 1804.com. So, yeah, I mean, I didn't know where this whole thing was going. I was, you know, what can I tell you? I The title kind of threw me off and I was like, ah, I just hope this is not a bunch of sappy romantic shit. <laughs> yeah, because there was another series, I feel like maybe Netflix or somebody did it and that's what it was. It was just like sappy romantic crap and I, it had a similar title and I was kind of thinking that this was the same thing, but this isn't at all. And I wasn't familiar but with the weekly column that the New York Times put out at all. Yeah, that's um, that this is based on. I'm going to have fun talking about it. And, you know, and, and I think Huffington Post has a, something similar. And I'm pretty sure that they are stealing a page from the New York Times. A HuffPost Confidential. Okay. And a lot of people... You know, guest writers, they will write something very deeply personal about themselves. But it's usually about, you know, some kind of struggle and overcoming something. And, you know, it, it's nice to read. It's nice to, it's nice to hear. But who, whoever decided to curate these stories and sort of create a series out of it uh, was, was a stroke of genius. Yeah. So... I think uh, based on that and that alone, we should get started, shouldn't we? That sounds good. Let's do that. <laughs> All right. This is Kicking and Streaming Podcast, a binge watcher's guide to streaming movies, TV series, and stuff. Here are your hosts, Graham and Jocelyn. So, hello everyone. Welcome to another episode of Kicking and Streaming. My name is Graham, and of course, as every week, I am joined by the my most favorite co-host that anyone could ever ask for. And this week, I'm going to say I like her because I like her. She's my favorite because she's my favorite. But of course, it is most of all. She's my only one, the only one co-host I want. <laughs> her name is Jocelyn, and out of love, I call her on Jojo. Hello. Yes. Hello. How you doing, Graham? How did you? How did you? <laughs> I'm, every every time I I'm trying to introduce you, I feel like I'm I'm digging my own hole. <laughs> so. Until I feel it's right, I'm not going to finish the introduction. <laughs> I hope I did well this week. <laughs> I think you did. It was a good one. I like this one. <laughs> All right. And it's it's been you know, every week after we finish the show and we turn off the recorder, we always go over what we want to talk about the next week. And I I remember suggesting last week this show, right? Uh, Modern Love on Amazon Prime. And after I said that and we agreed upon it, I sort of like immediately regretted it. <laughs> I'm serious. I was like, ah, like, oh, crap. What did I do that for? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to give it a go and hopefully not too far into the weeks. Just so if it's absolute fucking crap, 
I can tell Jojo, hey, abort. <laughs> Let's do something Never else. <laughs> but Let's um, do something with the rock. <laughs> with the rock. <laughs> I don't know. That's like bad acting and bad romance <laughs> all at once. Oh, oh yeah. Yes. <laughs> with a lot of brute force. <laughs> That's absolutely fantastic. But to our surprise, this is actually a very good thing, wasn't it? Yes. It was completely different than what I was concerned it might be. And for me, this was a very powerful and emotional experience. Yes. I I know that it's cliche, but I am one of the most pleasantly surprised persons about this show. And I know that in in different times we've talked about how, you know, people don't seem to gravitate so much uh, on uh, onto Amazon as much as they gravitate towards the mega giant Hulu. But you know, I, I think people should definitely, definitely start looking more deeply into you know the universe of Amazon because there's a lot of good things there, and I think it's our failure to actually search that makes it not popular, actually. Um, Yeah, I agree. I think Netflix is just too easy and, and Amazon is something you have to sort of think about a little bit more. And I hope that maybe this show will encourage a few people at least to watch the series and uh, look into what Amazon has to offer because this series is, is pretty special. Yes, and just if we haven't made it absolutely clear, we are talking about Modern Love on Amazon Prime. And this is a surprising series in a lot of ways because, one, and maybe intentionally they kept the title just as it is, Modern Love, and it is based on a, a column on the New York Times about, you know, stories that people share of themselves in a deeply personal way. And perhaps they never wanted to change the title because they wanted probably people who are familiar with the, with the series, with the, with the stories or with the column of the New York Times to, to actually know what this was all about. But in doing that, it seems to people like me who, I, I, I didn't know anything about this. I made all kinds of assumption of, of it until I finally started watching it. Uh, I Was that not the case with you? Yeah, no, it, it was the same with me. And also kind of with, I, I didn't watch any full trailers for it, but the kind of like the teaser trailers I watched. And to me, that was the way it was sort of presented was this sort of a sappy sort of romantic comedy type thing like the wikipedia page for it even calls it a romantic comedy anthology and it's so much more than that so yeah i i i I went into it with different expectations um the first episode i have to admit that i cried through the entire thing (laughs) and i was hooked yes (laughs) 
Um, I've also had the song Modern Love by David Bowie stuck in my head ever since we first started talking about this. So, you know, I'm just randomly around the house. Modern love. (laughs) I think we we do have to actually talk about the music a bit because I I kept my uh, Shazam open the entire time. And whenever a tune would come out, I was just like tap on it. And because Shazam saves everything that I Shazam onto my my Spotify playlist. Now I have quite a bit of the of the music on the show, but yeah, the music was absolutely whoever curated the music, whoever was in charge of the of the of all that. I mean, it was a beautiful team. I want to say, it, it, yeah, it really was. I was thinking that too when I was watching it because there was some songs that just that I've never heard before, yeah. and <laughs> and I'm like, this really fits what's happening. Oh God, yes, yes. I mean, someone. A team was behind this, and they knew exactly what they wanted and what what they wanted you to feel when you watched it. We're gonna go on to the cast because Modern Love is a series of eight different stories, and each story has a different cast. Each story is about different people in different forms of love, uh, as yes. a matter of fact, which is why it's called. Modern, uh, modern love. As a matter of fact, the, the, the main description of it on Wikipedia is that modern love explores love in its multitude forms, multitude of forms, including sexual, romantic, familial, platonic, and self-love. And that's exactly in a world like today where where you know there's such a a sense of I don't know doubt about the existence of platonic love it it's it's refreshing to see that you know it is still alive and some people felt compelled to write stories about it based on their real experience real life experience isn't it yes yes we and i've said this many times during the podcast but i just i I don't think there's enough television that really explores the relationship of friendship and the love that friends have between each other. Um, So it was a really beautiful thing to see some of that in this and to see family that isn't blood family necessarily and to see the love that and the relationships and the strong bond you can have with people that, you know, are not a family member, um, or it's not a sexual relationship or, or something like that, that you're just really, truly care about each other and as people. One of the things that I love the most about these, these series is also the way that it goes into showing you how the things that we struggle with, each one of us have something that we struggle with. And we sometimes see no sight of it. And what we do is in, in order to avoid being labeled, in order to avoid being maybe thrown a pity party from other people, we completely shut down. So we, we build different personalities of ourselves and we present that instead as opposed to our, to our real self. Yes. And by not telling people what some of our deepest fears and struggles are, we then take all that in. We internalize so much of it that it makes our crisis 
a bit more acute, if you will. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. And so I think this show encourages you to open up, isn't it? Open up. When you feel it is the right person, tell them something personal. Yes. And you will probably be amazed at to, as to how they react to, to your suffering or to your struggle. Yes, yes. And I I think too the the idea of self love in this in the sense of caring enough about yourself to understand that that none of us are islands. Right. <laughs> Cliche though though that term is, we are we aren't and we can't function alone. And to care enough about yourself to, to find the people that you can reach out to to um help you through life. Because life is hard. Yes. life is hard even if you have everything perfect and we know none of us do but even if you have everything as close to perfect as it can be life is hard life is not easy and i know there's those little little stick stick guys that say life is good um and i always want to punch those little (laughs) stick guys (laughs) that's my natural inclination whenever i see those little smiley life is good stick guys and I and I hope for you know that for more people than than myself, <laughs> it is. But um, you know, for me, most of the time, life isn't good. So I, I just think it's it's you know good to to recognize that and go. You know what? We need other people in our life, and we need we need love in our life, and we need relationships. And this is is what it's about. You know, it's about making those connections with other people and how important they are. Absolutely. So let us go then and talk about uh, a little bit about each one of those episodes without obviously going into the plot or just spoiling it for people who just want to go over the premises based on the titles. Um, when I started watching the first episode, I kind of got scared because I thought it was more a story of stalking and obsession and possessiveness and a whole like like I thought about all the negative connotations that one could see coming with the title of when the doorman is your main man yes and obviously the first dialogue about these doorman about Guzmin is sounds a little bit like that but again you, you you know the dialogues or or language is there to to get you confused all the time until you actually put things into context isn't it yes yes and uh this episode was very um poignant for me it was very it's hard to talk about it without spoiling things but it it's it's a beautiful relationship that comes out of this and something that is very pure and very I'm not sure if innocent is the right word I think I think pure is what I'm going for and just lovely and Kristen Melody I'm not quite sure if I'm saying her name right um she's just lovely in this I love Um, this girl Uh, I love this girl She's just, um, I had first seen her on How I Met Your Mother. That's exactly the, the only time of, well, the first time I ever saw her was yes. there too. 
Yes, and and she's she you know she's she's worked in Broadway and she's 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 done lots of other things. But I I was familiar with her from How I Met Your Mother, and then uh, she's also been in an episode of Black Mirror and was fabulous in that. But she's just every time I see her, she's just I don't know. There's something about her that just makes you happy. That, that and, is true. That that's the feeling I get from her. Um, yeah, she just seems like she would be somebody that would be a great friend to have. And to me, she gives me this vibe of favorite little sister or little sister-in-law kind of. Yes. Do you know what I mean? Like, yes, hey, man, yes. don't mess with this girl because I will punch you in the face. Like, yes, I will exactly. always be there for her. And, you know, I, and I think she was perfect for the role and for, uh, you know, being the overprotected by, by, by Gosmin. Yes. Yes. And so we we don't want to go hard into the story for you, for you, you know we don't want to ruin it for you but let's just call it sort of like a very beautiful relationship more like a father figure type of relationship between a very lonely doorman at a you know fancy building you know in Manhattan and a a tenant, a female tenant, who in the end, which in the end turns out to be sort of like a small little family, you yes. know, with no, uh, no nothing more than that. You know, what I mean, yes, yeah, I think two two equally lonely souls, I think, yes. and and maybe a little bit both feeling a little bit misfits, and. Finding support for one another and, like you said, becoming a family unit. The background story of of Guzmin is actually fascinating and I wished they had elaborated a little bit on that, but it's, it's very hard to fit all of that into a 30-minute episode. But Guzmin is uh, an Eastern European man who was involved in, in, in wars, in... Um, rebellions and, and stuff during the the falling of the Soviet era. Uh, and, and of course, he has all these mental scars that could make him scary, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. But at the end of the day, he is just uh, appearance. Other than that, he's a, one of the biggest hearts you'll ever see in any story. Yes. So this should encourage you to watch. Uh, it, when you start watching the first episode again, it, 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 I like the way they just go straight into, into the heart of the story. There's no preambles or anything like that. It's just, it just takes from what it st- where it starts and it tells you exactly what the problem is and what we're looking at, isn't it? Yes. Yes. There's no um, fluff. There's no preamble there's no anything there's just okay here's our story here it is we're gonna start <laughs> yeah yeah I, I love it so the first episode as you mentioned is starred by uh christian milioti as maggie mitchell and by lorenzo posa as guzmin based on the name i don't know this actor i've i've, I've never probably is a character actor that i've seen somewhere before but I've never seen him on a starring role, so I, I I don't know much of him. But based on the name Lorenzo, uh, he sounds Romanian to me, of or at, or at least of Romanian descent. But uh, Lorenzo Posa, uh, yeah, there's a bit of a Romanian vibe there. 
But again, it's it's just me doing my, you know, my nationality Sherlock Holmes <laughs> kind of <laughs> conclusions, which is a game that I like to play. <laughs> yeah. It's a fun game. <laughs> but and I love this guy. I, I actually love this guy. I love the way he... Oh my God. And, and, and I think the most surprising thing for me, which you, you didn't tell me, is that at the end, in the very last episode, they circle back to each story and they show you one detail that they omitted. What do you think about that? I, at the time, I'm, I'm going to, I have to, of course, be honest. Uh, at the time, it kind of cringed a little bit for me because it made me think of Crash. Do you remember the movie Crash? Yes. Where at the end, everything was intertwined. Yeah. So I was kind of like, oh, God, they're doing the Crash thing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it wasn't, it wasn't as bad as Crash. It was just kind of like, oh, we're, we're going to give you one little last taste of everybody to kind of say goodbye to. Yeah. And um, I was... After thinking about it for a bit, I'm like, okay, I'm all right with that. I'm okay with getting to say goodbye. And some of those little last scenes were lovely. It was like a final take a bow and good night, everyone kind of thing, innit? Yeah, yeah. There there really wasn't a whole lot of of trying to tie the stories together into one nice, neat little bow. It was just kind of a of a as you said, here take a bow. Here's one last one last little goodbye and and there is a particularly lovely scene in the last episode um, between Maggie and Guzman that I yes I teared up again yes so. <laughs> they they the, oh that story was was absolutely fantastic and I I, I love that again we have to talk about the team behind this because this was the story to open the show with definitely yes yes this was it and the story with. With, with which they ended the show with was also, oh my god, <laughs> oh my yes. god. We yes. have to we have to talk about the the creator and director of some of most of the episodes, which is John Carney, right? Yes. This dude is amazing. <laughs> he, yeah, he he's he's Irish apparently, yeah. and. And uh, he was directed and produced and wrote a lot of these. Uh, they're based, of course, on the, the stories from the New York Times and also an essay. But um, he actually wrote the episodes. And um, yeah, the <laughs> I don't think I've been familiar with his work before, but I am very interested in it now. There is <laughs> there is something very Irish about the way he went he went about this show. And although each one of the episodes were sort of like plucked out of a, a story featured on the New York Times Modern Love, but again, there for me, until you know who it is and and in his background, you probably it will be something. It will be one of those thorns that you're like, there's something about this show that I can't quite get, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's not sacrosanct. It, it's not uh, sanctimonious. But there is a bit of, as much as I hate saying that, there's a bit of like spiritual connection in on each episode. And when I say spiritual connection, I'm not talking about anything religious per se. 
I'm talking about the connection between like what you would refer to, I don't know, as kindred spirits or whatever they call that. But, but it, there, there is a, a human to human connection that happens on every episode. Yes. And I, and I feel like that is a, <laughs> I don't know. There's something about it that is Irish. I, I don't know what I'm saying, but I know what I'm saying. <laughs> does that make sense? I think I, it does. It does. And I think I've got you. I think I've got you. There's sort of a, a, a I don't know, a, a flavor, a, a feeling, a, uh, the accent comes through into uh, the way the filming is. I, I, I know what you're, t- I know what you're saying. I do. <laughs> and it feels like in every episode that he directed, there is a latent melancholy in every scenery, in every landscape yes. that, that, you know, I mean, so if you're filming in New York, you can make New York a very happy looking city. But even on the streets of Manhattan, this guy manages to inject a little bit of, of, Everybody, even when they are together, there's a huge amount of loneliness <laughs> in between them. Those, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say, and this is sort of tangentially, but it, in some ways, this series, Modern Love, is also sort of a, a love story, I believe, to the city of New York. Yes. Because there, New York, I feel, is as much a part of these stories as the people are. And as you said, the, the atmosphere and kind of pulling in the loneliness of the city, you know, being alone with so many people around you yes. or being so isolated with so many people around you really is, is captured here in a very interesting way. Yes. And in, in some of our favorites were in this show and we're going to talk about them too. But let's move on to when uh, this episode two is entitled when Cupid is a prying journalist, and this too was a beautiful, beautiful, absolutely beautiful story. And again, I'm a very pragmatic, romantic kind of guy. Like I'm not the hopeless, you know, Romeo and Juliet kind of shit guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this did it for me. I loved it. Yeah, it's a beautiful story. Dev Patel in this. My God. I, I I want him to win an Emmy for this. Yes. yes. Because he's just, there's a scene where he makes a phone call, where he leaves someone to go make a phone call. Yeah. And I'm not giving anything away with this. Yes. And his face as he's waiting for hopefully somebody to pick up on the other end is so nuanced and so perfect. And oh my God, I, I as, as listeners, as you, can imagine I'm not typically an emotional person. I'm not, but I, I cried through a lot of the series <laughs> <laughs> because it's very touching. And I'm not, and I don't mean necessarily crying as in, Oh, this is so sad. And yeah, you know, tugged yeah. on your heartstrings yeah. and old yeller died and that kind of thing. Mm-mm. They killed the dog. It's not like that. <laughs> yes, yes. It was more in just a sense of feeling so connected to these people and wanting the best for them. That's, that's, that's the feeling like, okay. So, Yes, you're absolutely right. Dev Patel, I don't know. Dev Patel just had had everything he needed 
to yeah. play to play this character. Do you remember last week, last episode, when when I asked you, you know, who do you think should be cast to play Miss Marple? Mm-hmm. And it was almost impossible for you to think of somebody. Mm-hmm. That's what I feel about this character that Dev Patel played, uh, uh, Joshua. Like, if I close my eyes right right now and say, well, this is a relatively recent recent show, if alternatively I was looking for somebody to play Joshua instead of Dev Patel, who would that be? Sometimes that's very easy. Like, I could see so-and-so playing this character. Mm-hmm. In this particular case, no, I can't. I, my mind will not go to anyone else. No. No. No, me neither. He, he was Joshua. Yes, yes, he was. And I also want to give a bunch of credit to Catherine Keener, who plays this journalist, because there is a way you ask a question. There is... Do you know what I mean? There, there is a way you frame something that is coming out of you in words that will make an impact. Yes. And like that one question that she asked in What About You? Have you ever been in love? You could feel almost as if somebody dropped, of course, let's give credit to Dev Patel for being the great freaking actor he was. But in that moment, you can see how everything is com- kind of coming, crashing down on everybody on the scene, isn't it? Yes. Did you feel that? Yes, it's like the air got sucked out of the room. Yes, yes. And, and that was all her. I, I loved yeah. it. I loved yeah. it. So this also was a fantastic episode. We're not going to give any, anything away. So you have to see for yourself we just this at this point we're just talking about the cast yeah. and and just so you know there is not one episode out of these eight episodes that i can tell you eh eh um, meh no 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 none of them are meh some of them are, are definitely stronger than others but there's not a single bad one in the bunch yeah yeah but i can tell you that of all eight episodes I do have a favorite episode. Okay. And it's episode three. It's mine too. My God. Anne Hathaway is a consummated actress in every way you can imagine. And I don't care. And I know that there was this poll that she was one of the least liked people and whatever online and people pick on her a lot and she... Man, I don't care what you think. This girl is absolutely fantastic. Like, yes, yes. I want to say maybe on a Phoebe Waller Bridge level kind of genius actress kind of thing. Um, am I, yes. am I, you know, selling her short or, or going too far? Uh, you tell me. No, she is so good in this. And um, I, I'm going to say in the little bit of reading that I, that I did about this episode, because I kind of didn't want, or not just episode, but entire series, I, I didn't really want to do a whole lot of reading. I just wanted to have my own thoughts. But I, I did a little bit. And this episode is apparently most people's least favorite. Really? So you, you and I are... <laughs> <Yeah>, okay. <laughs> So, you know, we're, we're the only ones with any taste in this world. Wow. Um, <laughs> 
But a lot of people apparently felt that she overacted in this, and I don't understand. Kidding. The only thing that I can think is either the people who are saying that have never experienced what this character went through. Yeah. yeah. Or have experienced it and are horrified. They don't want to recognize see that in themselves yeah, felt naked if you will yes like, yes yeah. and they and it felt in the sense of i i i, I you know how you yeah, this is not me this is not I, me i have yes, these and this is not me yes right. exactly right. um so that's the only thing i can think because for me this was this was she's so perfect in this part yes she and is. she is so I don't know how to describe it. She's, she's, she's transcendent and she's marvelous and she's smart and she's funny. And she's just, she hits this so tone right for me. This episode resonated a lot from with me personally. And this is another episode that I, I don't think I ever actually stopped crying. Wow. This episode. <laughs> I mean, at the beginning where things are, are, are it's sort of a, a little bit of a, a musical going on. Yes. I was kind of like, okay, I'm not quite sure what's happening here, but I've enjoyed the first two episodes. So I'm going to hang with it. And then when the episode takes the turn as to what it's actually going to be about, I yep out came my little trusty tissue box and we <laughs> sat there and me and the dogs and my dogs were like, what the world is wrong what with you? What happened to this human? <laughs> what is coming out of her eyes? Uh? <laughs> Who hurts you? We yeah. will kill them. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You know, when the episode started, like when it's, well, when I read the title, right, Take Me As I Am, Whoever I Am, I sort of like put together that there was going to be something about a mental illness here. Yes. However, I was going for, you know, I thought of, you know, multi, multiple personality disorder. The thing about it is, I don't think a lot of people understand bipolar disorder. No. And this is sort of literally a TED talk, if you will, but acted yes. on what bipolar disorder does to a human being. And I'm glad that it started on the part where the individual is actually manic. Yes. Where they look like they can take on the entire world and they're victorious and there's nothing impossible. Yes. And then it gets to the moment of the crash. Yes. Because, you know, some people have never been diagnosed as bipolar. But some people who were asking themselves, what the hell is wrong with me? Why, can, why can't I feel like yesterday? <laughs> why do I have days like this? Well, here's your answer. Here's yeah. your answer. Here's your answer. So you should watch this episode. Yeah. And it would help you. And if you feel identified and you've never been on treatment, you've never had this conversation with a professional, then you might want to go ahead and do that. Yeah. 
um, because yeah. these 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 mental illness is manageable as as pretty much a lot most mental illness is manageable, but it is devastating when untreated. It is devastating when untreated. Yeah. And I think Anne Hathaway did a fantastic job. I don't I don't know if she had did any research. But whoever she used as her muse, you know, she was spot on. Yeah. She was spot on. Yeah. She's she's brilliant in this. And I love the story and I love who she reached out to in the story or, or, or in a way who reached out to her and she accepted that and decided to, to open up to, I love who that was. And I'm going to try to not give anything away because it was not, they could have, there could have been a very cliched route with yes, this. Yes, absolutely. Um, and it, it didn't, it did not go that route and I'm so glad it didn't. And I just, for me, this episode was as close to perfect as you can get. And like I said, I cried to the whole damn thing. And the actress you are referring to uh, as whom she reached out to is Quincy Tyler Bernstein. <laughs> and the the reason I was so fixated with this particular actress is because she is on one one show that I'm, I'm, I've been watching, which is Power on Stars. Yes. And she plays the role of a... Or, U.S. 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 attorney named Tamika, and I've always been fascinated by the fact that her name on the show is Tamika, and she looks exactly like someone I know named Tamika. <laughs> it's, it's, it's just an amazing thing. Tamika is the mother of one of the kids that I used to coach uh, as a uh, uh, in soccer. Oh, okay. <laughs> and and her name is Tamika, right? And, and and this this lady, Quincy Tyler Bernstein, on power plays a Tamika, and she looks exactly, even gesturing, even the way she phrases questions and the little pauses that she makes when she talks. It's it's Tamika, and I hope Mrs. Jenkins <laughs> is listening to, listening to this episode. Uh, but yeah, so when I saw her on the show, I was like, okay, I know she's gonna be good. Yeah. And her role, her her character was really, really one of the most humane and human characters I've seen her play. And, and for that, I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Me too. It was great casting in this whole episode. So even if you don't have time to watch all eight episodes, because you don't have to necessarily watch the entire show, because there's no, you know, it, it, it's not... No episode is related to the other. Yes, this, there's no story arc to follow between the episodes. Right. So this episode particularly, Take Me As I Am, Whoever I Am, and that's episode three, please give it a go. Give it a go because it will, it will clarify a lot of things for you. And I think too, just to throw more tangents in, but I think too, if it's something that resonates with you and if it's something that you've gone through, it might be something to have maybe your friends or, or some people in your life watch and yes. say, hey, would you, would you please watch this yes. for me? You know, because it's going to maybe help you understand me a little bit. And because I think that it's, it's I think that's another nice thing that the episode does or a beautiful thing that the episode does is 
explains this to people that have never um, experienced it before who have an open mind to go, oh, my gosh, maybe that's what's been going on with this person that I've known my whole life. Yeah, yeah, you, 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 you're right, because there's a lot of people who have dismissed other people as, you know, I remember I was listening to a little bit the TED Hour radio on, on NPR, and there was this Australian comedian talking about when he didn't understand his bipolar disorder as a kid. And so when he used to get in bed and, and never get out and not want to do anything, people would say, well, he's just a lazy kid. And he believed, yeah, I'm just lazy. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Right. Because you yourself going through this, you don't understand it. And, and, and people diagnose you all the time as like, he is just an, a teenager, lazy teenager or whatever. And that's what you believe. Yeah. And no, that's not it. He's just a moody person or he's just, she is just this, she is just that. You know, yeah. You stop labeling yourself or stop labeling other people and, and help them find help or help them yes. help themselves. Yes. Then let's move on to the next one. Rallying to keep the game alive. I, I've got a couple of things to say about that, but what did you think about it? This one was, was, was interesting for me and I don't know. It, <laughs> it was, I didn't connect as much with this one. It's very powerful. It is. But I, at points, kind of was confused as to what the message was. But I, I took, at the end of it, I, I got it. But at the, during it, for a few points during it, I was a little lost. That's exactly what happened with me with this story. And because I felt like it was sort of arching towards that cliche of let's stay together so we don't ruin the kids' lives thing. Yeah. Which is one of the things that I hate the most about any any relationship story. Yeah. And I don't know that at the end of the day that's what it was, but I feel like it, it could be construed as something that was going there. But it's, it's, it was definitely a bit more complex than that. It was definitely a bit more nuanced <laughs> than that. Yes. And perhaps um, I don't know if the story itself was written to reflect all of these composites. Am, 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 I, am I seeing it from, from a, 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 a pedestrian, a two pedestrian of an optic? I don't think so. I don't think so. I, I I think there was a little bit more of a nuance in the sense of about two people that had been together for a long time. And instead of just settling, deciding to fight. Yeah. And realizing that even though there was a lot of hurt, that their feelings for each other, their feel, their feelings for each other, their love for each other was not dead. And it wasn't in a sense of, we're just going to close off that part of us right. in a sense of let's open ourselves up to this hurt and this disappointment and let's do what we need to do. Let's fight to, to, to keep, to try and make that love 
a love again, as opposed to a ball of disappointment and, and in some cases rage. That was kind of what I ended up taking away from it. Yeah. And you know, I, I couldn't have put it in better words to tell the truth. Um, I, I was at times a bit angry at the character that John Slattery plays, which he plays the hell out of it, by the way. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> uh, Dennis, I, I was a bit disappointed, not disappointed, but angry at his oblivion. Yes. But I think the overall message is that us men, we can get like that. We can become entitled in relationships and take everything around us for granted and think that whatever little bit we do, we should be applauded and celebrated for it. And so that I was able to, to pick up and, and, and understand. <laughs> I always love to see Sarita Chaudhary in everything she does. <laughs> she's one of my favorite actresses in, you know, and she's very good at playing those therapists. <laughs> she's so good at it. She's so good at it. Uh, but she's good at playing anything. But I love seeing her as, as, as a therapist. Uh, you know. It was refreshing to see Tina Fey in a non-comedic uh, role. Um, yes. And I, I really feel that a different actress in this role could have made that character really unlikable. Yeah, that is true. But Tina Fey made, made you feel her frustration and her humanity and her... Not that she, because there's a scene in a restaurant where she's very unkind. Um, yes. And that I think could have been, I think someone else could have played that. So you were like, oh my God, she's a bitch. She's Why? an <laughs> asshole. Yes. Yes. You're right. You're right. <laughs> um, but Tina Fey made it so you understood, so that you felt the frustration that she's been feeling for the past 15, 18, 20 years, however many. And, and you understood why it suddenly popped out and and you felt her shame yes and and her her humiliation because she was just abjectly humiliated for having done that to to this person exactly and and you felt that and i think in the hands of a less competent actress or or actor that it just would have been like well they're an asshole, but with, with her, you just, you just completely felt it and you felt for her. And, um, I think that scene could have been awful and it was awful, but it was awful in a good way in the sense it made you feel all of the things that had been happening yes. inside of her. You could understand everybody at that table at the moment, yes. but you could also feel empathy for her, even yes. though she was the one at the, you know, at the cruel end, well, not at the cruel end, but, you know, from one end of that cruelty, if you will, uh, on the probably aggressive end of the cruelty as opposed to the passive end. It, now that you were talking about that, uh, about how Tina Fey sort of like really took an unlikable character and made you feel that there was a human being there that had their own struggle to 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 feel empathetic towards it reminded me of one of our earlier well um, our first episodes when we talked about this role that Melissa McCarthy 
was nominated for in yes. uh, this movie. I don't remember the title of the movie. What was it? Can you ever forgive Can you ever me? forgive me? And the character that she played, I, I remember telling you, you know, only Melissa McCarthy could have made this character human and, and make you feel a certain way about her. If yeah. anybody else played it, she would be an absolute asshole and you would be asking yourself, why the hell would you make a movie about this person? Yes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes. So it takes a great actor to do these kind of things, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So rallying to keep the game alive might not be a favorite in terms of uh, one of the stories, but I feel like, you know, John Slattery makes me miss seeing more of him on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, now I remember why Ma uh, Mad Men was such a beautiful show. And mm -hmm. it wasn't only about uh, uh, Don Draper. It was about the character played by John Slattery. And Tina Fey was brilliant. Yeah. Just that. She really was. Yeah. Now... My second favorite episode here is episode five. At the hospital, an interlude of clarity. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, like, let me just start by saying this is my kind of romance, my kind of, my kind of romanticness, if you will. <laughs> there has to be a tremendous amount of, amount of tragedy in it for me to like it. Yes. There, there has to be a tremendous, not, not suffering, but the, the humans involved in the story have to be way more complex than, than your regular humans. And uh, Sophia Butella, who right now is probably my second <laughs> favorite young actress is is fantastic there but i've She's always lovely. i've always had a soft spot for this kid john gallagher jr he's good jocelyn he's good in everything i've seen this guy he's absolutely fantastic he is good and i did a little research on him for the for the episode because i was I just found him delightful in this episode. And yeah. he's, he's actually from my husband's home state, which is, is an itty so? bitty state, Delaware. So I'm like, oh, <laughs> that, that's what it is. <laughs> yeah. The Delaware boy. I get it now. <laughs> the first time I saw this kid was in a short-lived Aaron Sorkin show on HBO called The Newsroom. Yes. One of the most powerful things I've ever seen in, in you know, Sorkin, <laughs> Sorkin only writes powerful shit. But this, this guy was special in the show. Special, special, I tell you. And he hasn't lost a bit of that specialness. This is a person that can make you feel everything he's feeling just by being, you know, by a camera being pointed at him. And... This episode was only about two actors, really, to tell you the truth. It really was. <laughs> it really was. Just just the two of them. There's a few little side, but it's really just 
just those two and their interactions with each other and, and what happens. And, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a sweet little episode. And, you know, I love Sophia Butella in this because, you know, she's, she's come a long way in terms of, of, I, 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 she probably goes to 24 hours speech therapy to have as, you know, neutral of an accent in English as she has now, but I could still hear the, the French, she's Algerian <laughs> and, uh, she grew up in, in France. <laughs> and, and so I, you know, I, I was always hearing the little bit of, of French in, in the last part of words that she says. And I yes. was like, yo, shit, that shit was never, that shit never goes away. It doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't. So, um, but she's, she's, she's a powerful little actress. She, she does things with her body language more than anything else. She is very, she is very French. Like her, my, my idea of, of French, like in the movies, like the, I don't know, just as you said, with body language and, and yeah. gestures and facial expressions and things like that. She just, I don't know. She just seems very French to me. <laughs> um, and, uh, she, I enjoyed her character in this very much is a very someone that you would think would not be strong yeah um at all like the way the character is set up is somebody that you would think would run shrieking out of the room for for what happens yeah and she doesn't at all and she is tough as nails and i love that i love when you know you get set up to expect something from a character and you get something more human you get a a you find a real person underneath. Yes. And, and one thing I think it's, 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 it's credit to who, to, to the director, the, the story itself is how you just get glimpse of her during the entire episode, but you get to know who she is, her mm-hmm. character, her, her personality, her, how charitable of a person she is, even though she herself thinks that she's the worst person in the world, but you mm-hmm. get to see all that at the end of the show. And mm-hmm. you're like, nice to meet you, Yasmin. Yeah. Nice to yeah. meet you. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think we would all be fortunate to have a Yasmin. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> Especially if uh, I'm so desperately in social situations and awkward <laughs> as Rob is. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> Rob is, Rob is lovely. The poor thing. <laughs> poor Rob. <laughs> almost killed himself just to be cool. <laughs> You've got to see this. You definitely have to see this. Yes. So moving on to an episode that featured one of our favorite little actresses. Yes. Uh, Julia Garner was on this one. And I was surprised to see her paired up with Shay Wiggum. But that, too, was a stroke of genius, wasn't it? It was. It was. I have to say, storyline-wise, this is one of my least favorite episodes. I, I had difficulty connecting with this story. Maybe just because of... Pro- well, no, maybe because of my own personal experiences. So I... I I don't know. I had trouble with this one. <laughs> I, I can tell you that it, the entire thing was a bit cringy to me. 
in that cr- that sense of cringiness does not go away at all throughout the entire episode. No, it didn't for me either. And not cringiness because of bad production or bad acting or, or anything. It's just the situation exactly. is a big cringe and, and not because it's a bad story either. It's a very interesting and very, I think, fascinating story. Yeah. But for me, it just, it, I just had to cringe through the whole thing. Yes. Yes. I must say that this is one of the most serious roles that I've seen Shea Wiggum play. Um, my first encounter with Shea Wiggum as an actor was through HBO show Boardwalk Empire. He okay. he played the brother of Noki Thompson. He was Eli Thompson in this show. You could see bits of 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 his depth as an actor. And I think I've I've seen him after afterwards in a couple of movies and stuff like that, but this particular character was was I don't know it was good. Uh, there were moments where he was slightly creepy because mm-hmm. um, you know I had I have an issue with the fact that men you know the men his age would even entertain such a thing and 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 should have understood from the very beginning that there was. There was. This was not what he wanted to think it was. Yeah, yeah. But, but again, you know, Julia Garner is is good at everything. <laughs> and as and Maddie, she didn't disappoint did she? No, she didn't. And the the chemistry between the two of them is is good too. Like there it's, it's believable. What happens between the two of them? I feel like is believable, even though the whole thing. Just kind of made me feel a little sick. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's it's completely believable, and and the, and she is so good in it, and she is so vulnerable. Yes. Um, but with that, trying to have that tough New York exterior, but you know, she's just this little girl, and yeah. especially the scene with the coat. Yes, um, yes. Is is kind of just horrible, but but nice um i don't know horrible but it's it's a horrible thing that happens but the the acting and the the understanding and the relationship that that you know the way that they both play this scene i think it could have been very schmaltzy yeah um and over the top but it wasn't i think it was very nuanced and very believable it's just the whole thing just made me kind of sick <laughs> And, and I'm going to say this, there were two episodes uh, to which that I feel like there was no um, resolution. Mm-hmm. And this is, well, I'm, I'm not, I don't consider myself a musician by any means, <laughs> you know, but I, I play the guitar. And one of the things I try to play is the blues. And in the blues, there are, uh, there's these things called walkabouts that always end up with a resolution and if i should sort of like give you an example of what it is it would be something like when you hear a a, a blues musician go like that's the resolution right so the first mm-hmm. part was the walkabout and that's the resolution 
Mm-hmm. And, and I'm always looking for that in stories. I'm always looking for that in, in pretty much everything. Because, you know, what goes up must go down. <laughs> what goes around comes around. This is where I am. And in this story, which is entitled, So He Looks Like Dad, It Was Just Dinner, Right? In this particular story, so, so episode number six, and rallying to keep the game alive, episode four, I felt like, eh, just, there was no, no resolution. I am agree I, with am you I wrong? 100%. Nope, I agree with you 100%. I was waiting for that other shoe to drop, and it never did with either one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, and we're not going to give any, any, spoilers but if you watch the show if you watch the series or when you watch this series if you find that there was a the resolution to this episode six or episode four drop us a mail or, or go let on, us know yeah go on twitter and let <laughs> us know you know i mean that's that's what i'm thinking that's what i'm thinking there was like yeah it's it's a it's a it's a it's a story well told Yes. But you left like when, and so what happened? <laughs> and then what? Yeah, like she yeah. got a boyfriend. Yeah, cool. All right, cool. Okay. All right. <laughs> and then we move on to one of the most complicated, most complex, most joyful, <laughs> if you will, uh, stories in here. And yes. it. The title is Hers Was a World of One. I think this is my second favorite one. <sighs> wow. So many things are happening there. There are there is a lot happening, especially compared to, you know, like the the hospital and interlude of clarity where you really just have the two characters. Yes. There's a lot going on in this yeah. one. Yes, yes. <laughs> um for the second time we see Ed Sheeran just being in in featured in a show because he's Ed Sheeran. <laughs> the yes. first time, the first time was on on Game of Thrones, and he had very, <laughs> the, the, he had to even quit Twitter for that. <laughs> this cracked me up. For like for thirty seconds, he's on screen. I was like, "That's Ed Sheeran!" Oh my god! And it, just, it was so funny because it was just really random, and I knew he was supposed to be in it, and I'd been kind of keeping an eye out for him yeah. and thinking, "Well, did I miss him?" And then, then when he popped up, I was like, "Oh god!" <laughs> well, like. Why, why is Ed Sheeran only playing a homeless guy? Like, you Ed Sheeran. I don't know, man. But yeah, it, it was, was like, hey, man, you have a spot for Ed Sheeran? <laughs> yeah, man, just drop him in there. <laughs> Perfect 30 second part for him. That was amazing. <laughs> but yeah, uh, there was obviously in this one, there were a couple of Brits, of course, uh, Ed Sheeran with his little 45 seconds. And we also had Andrew Scott, Andrew Scott, Ray Artie, and also um, the priest from Fleabag. The priest from Fleabag. Yeah. And, you know, he was, you can't expect him to be anything but fantastic. Very colorful character, if you will. In, like the, there was a lot of nuance, but I feel like even nuance itself doesn't do it justice. And I feel like that that Andrew Andrew Scott character was that there was a lot going on with him that only being put in the situation that he was brought out. 
Does does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does make a lot of sense. And um, I I really enjoyed his performance in this. Kind of different from what I've seen him do in the past. You know, of course, you think of Moriarty and kind of the Mad Priest. Yeah. And this one was much more subtle. Um, and but as explosive as 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 his characters are always. Yes. <laughs> yes. Know. Yes. And I I do want to say that the chemistry between him and Olivia Cook, who yeah. plays Carla yes. in this, yes, is is excellent. Yes. And Olivia Cook is a lovely little actress who was in um, a movie that, in my opinion, did not get enough attention, which was called Me and Earl and the Dying Girl. Mm. Mm. And um, I think a lot of people thought it was just kind of like a knockoff of a John Green movie, one of the, um, you know, Blue is, what if it, something about Blue and Turtles All the Way Down is another thing that he wrote and and things like that. And it 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 is a teen story, and but it's... The movie Me and Earl and the Dying Girl, if you get the chance to see it, is just a great movie. And it'll make you laugh. It'll make you cry. It'll make you angry. But she has she plays a role in in that movie that I still think about. And so I was very excited to see her in this and very excited to see her play this character who I don't think is someone that you often see portrayed on television, which is and I, I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying this, but is as a homeless person who is portrayed as a fellow human being as opposed right. to just a homeless person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. A homeless lady. So she I, I really enjoyed the chemistry between her and Andrew Scott because I just felt the two of them bounced lines off of each other. Great. It was it was a great it was always great when they were on camera, but. My favorite thing about her character is how easily she was able to read Andrew Scott's character. Like, read him like a book and told him exactly who he was and what he is. (laughs) You know, know, like, don't think, don't take yourself that seriously. Because at the end of the day, you're not anywhere near what you think you are, (laughs) you know. Cause he, and you could see the surprise in his face. Like no one has ever told me this shit before. I'm a, I'm the guy that gets praised for, you know, farting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and here's this chick who depends on me for anything that may happen to her from now on, telling me the truth and exactly what I've never seen in the mirror about myself. You know, yeah. that was powerful. That was, woo, God, that was beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. So um, Brandon Kyle Goodman, I hadn't seen him in anything else. He he was he was very good in this and very sweet. Yeah. And very like the chemistry between him and Andrew Scott is 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 very lovely. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Um <laughs> this kid this kid was good and I, I like the very, very first scene. <laughs> It's like, please don't eat your baby. <laughs> God, that was beautiful. It was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna watch this. I'm gonna watch this. I'm turning this off. 
Yeah. That was funny. That was funny. And that was good. They, they, their interactions were, all, there was always a couple of funny lines, but you had to be very, it was very shocking like kind of dialogue. You have to be very quick on your feet to catch what was going on. But something was always going on and some of it was funny. Yes. Yes. I think this episode made me laugh the most of all of the episodes. And, uh, and, and I cried at this episode too. Apparently this whole series is just a big ball of emotions for me. (laughs) But, um, but, uh, there's, there's a scene where Tobin played by Andrew Scott kind of realizes and connects with Carla, with Carla and with the baby. And you just see it happen. You see the love happen and you see the connection happen and it's all on his face. Yeah. And it's all down to his acting. And I cried like a baby. So, but that's what he does. That's, that's what he does, man. I don't, I don't know. These British actors are going to kill us, man. (laughs) This This is just freaking good, aren't they? Like, Gosh, it's it's some kind of depth in them that is found nowhere. You know, curiously, though, that happens. I find that in a lot of Canadian actors, too. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) I will agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. And now we come to the last episode. I can tell you, and it probably has a lot to do with what has happened with me recently, um, in terms of, you know, loss of a loved one and stuff, uh, the uh, passing of my mother. But uh, this was the one that brought me the closest to cry. Yeah. And uh, it is titled The Race Grows Sweeter Near Its Final Lap. And it is about old love. Yes. And one thing I can say about this, and I will let you just take it away, Jocelyn, is that everything, every emotion that you can feel about in in this episode is actually in that eulogy. Yes, it is. That Margaret does for Kenji. Yes. My God, my God, my God. Yes. So tell me your thoughts. <laughs> this one was, this is one where you, you kind of know what's happening immediately um, from the very beginning. You 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 know what's going to happen, um, and I and and that's okay. You know, it it, it, it not everything needs to be uh, a surprise, but the the story between these two people who are who are old. I'm not going to say they're older, or or I'm going to say they're old. Yeah, and they've been through a lot of terrible things and a lot of joyful things and they find love with one another. And as you said, the eulogy that she gives for Kenji is beautiful and it is the entire story just wrapped up into one thing. And the fact that even though they were old when they fell in love, they experienced everything that young love would. Yeah. But with perhaps the benefit of being able to understand that our time is limited. Yeah. And that we need to take advantage of those small moments as much as we possibly can because there's going to come a time when we don't have those small moments anymore. 
one or both of us. Yeah. So. Yes, yes. This essay was by uh, the original author is Eve Pell, and I, I would love to find that story and read it. But the characters were played by Jane Alexander. And who was Kenji? Um, I'm going to mispronounce his name, but it's James Sato. Beautiful story. Beautiful story. Sad if you want to look at it as a sad thing. But it isn't. It isn't, uh, really. It, it, it's actually, I don't know, it, it, an invitation to celebrate life to the last moment, I, I, I want to say. And yeah. In that growing old does not make you undeserving of giving love a chance and leaving that love to, to its full potential. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. I and don't know if there's it, anything else I can say. <laughs> yeah. But, but I think too, in the sense of maybe understanding that just because someone is old doesn't mean they're incapable of feeling romantic love or, or any kind of love, you know, yeah. it doesn't mean that they're not human anymore. It just means that they're old. <laughs> right. In, and, that, in that life is not about roles. Like, oh, once you turn 45 or 40 or 50 and you have your first grandchild, then you just become grandpa and grandma, <laughs> you know. Right. It's, right. it's not a, a matter of stages and roles. It's just life. Life is life. You know? Yes. Yeah. And, you know, as long as we... You know, I'm, I I just turned 41, so I am, and inside I'm not 41. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I don't think of myself, you know, seeing what I see in the mirror does not correlate to what my brain thinks I'm supposed to be seeing. So I I know that in 40 years, assuming that, that I, you know, I, I see that, that at the age of, of 80, I'm, I'm not going to think that I'm 80 or I'm, I'm sure I'm going to feel 80, but, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. you know, I, I don't see that, you know, of course, younger people are driven by different desires, but at the same time, it does not mean that an old person doesn't have desires and wants and needs and, and the capacity to fulfill those. Yeah. Jocelyn, I think, like I said, Amazon Prime is probably not as popular with our listeners as we would like like it to be. If you don't have an Amazon Prime membership, please get it because you're missing out on a lot of things. I don't I don't care how much shit you have delivered or not delivered. Uh, I, I, that's not the reason I even have Amazon Prime. Yeah. But you need Amazon Video in your life. You really do. There is some beautiful original things that they're putting out and thoughtful and something there's a lot of ugly things in this world and it's nice to have some beauty being put into it. Well said my fantastic Aunt Jojo. (laughs) (laughs) So here it is. The show is called Modern Love. Eight episodes. Each episode is different cast, different stories. You will like it because I said so. You will like it because it is mandated by Aunt Jojo. Yes, that's right. <laughs> yep. And now, uh, to be to be completely honest, I, I don't see why anyone would wouldn't wouldn't enjoy this. Definitely. 
I, I don't either. And, and if they don't find something in these eight episodes to like, then I'm not interested in having them in my life. <laughs> you're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Don't come back for more if you if this is not your kind of thing. But having said that, if you do come back for more, we hope you will recommend our podcast to your friends and family and people that you know enjoy streaming contents. We, we, we don't talk much about TV per se. We, we talk about streaming because that's what this show is all about. Yep. If you do come back for more, when you do come back for more, we hope that you will follow us either on our Facebook page or on Twitter or on Instagram. If you go to kickinginstrumentpodcast.com, you will be led to subscribe to our show to on any of the platform that you listen to, either Spotify or Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or TuneIn Radio, you can listen to this show on Amazon Echo, by the way, which is, you know, Alexa, right? So uh, there's a lot you can learn about this podcast. And if you feel like it also, you can become a patron. We would love that very much. Yes, we would like that. <laughs> We would like that. Graham it's, has his eyes on a on a on a few pieces of equipment that would be nice. Yeah. And yeah. 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 Beautiful sound. All kinds of beautiful things. Yes. But here's the thing though. For this week we're gonna call it a day. And we thank you for listening. Thank you everybody. You take care now. Bye. Bye.